I love wine, but sometimes it can get really expensive, which is why I'm so excited that today's episode is brought to you by Last Bottle Wines. If you don't know, they're a Napa-based online wine shop with a twist. They offer just one hand-picked wine per day until it sells out, which is often in hours. So new day, new wine, always at incredible prices. We're talking 30 to 70% off retail. And the best part is that there's no subscriptions, no fees, and no minimum purchase. Just a daily email with a really great wine. They're offering Datable listeners 10% off your first order with code Datable. And now is such a great time to join as their marathon sale is coming up on March 28th and 29th. They flip that one-day rule on its head and offer back-to-back deals, which means that wines are only up on the site for a couple minutes at a time and shipping is 100% free. They send us a mini marathon package of some of their favorites and let me tell you, they were delicious. Sign up at lastbottlewines.com and use the code DATABLE and find out why Last Bottle is the most fun way to discover and buy amazing wine. We are so thrilled to be partnering with Hinge. Hinge is the dating app designed to be deleted. As you all know, I'm a huge Hinge advocate as I met my partner of almost three years on the app. Even before meeting him, Hinge was always my go-to app because I met more relationship-minded people here and had some great dates. Clearly, I haven't been on the app for a little while, but I re-downloaded it to check out some of the new features. One that stood out to me was the voice prompt, my best friend's take on why you should date me, where your friend can hype you up. Not only does this make the profile creation less daunting, but it's not always easy to see your own green flags. So to test it out, I asked UA some fun prompts to get her take on what I could put if I was dating again. So the first one, how long have we known each other? What was your first impression of me and how has that changed? Julie and I have known each other for almost 10 years. My first impression of Julie was that she's very social, but I've learned that she has a lot more depth to her beyond the social butterfly that she is. My next prompt, what do you think are my green flags? I would say she's deeply loyal. She believes in love, curious mindset, and she is fearlessly ambitious. And then last but not least, what kind of friend am I? Julie is the kind of friend who will always have your back, no matter what. Damn, that feels nice to hear. So download Hinge and try voice prompts today. Then find someone worth deleting the app for. The Dateable Podcast is an insider's look into modern dating that the Huffington Post calls one of the top 10 podcasts about love and sex. On each episode, we'll talk to real daters about everything from sex parties to sex droughts, date fails to diaper fetishes, and first moves to first loves. I'm your host, Yue Xu, former dating coach turned dating sociologist. You'll also hear from my co-host and producer, Julie Kraftchik, as we explore this crazy dateable world. Hey everyone, welcome to another episode of Dateable, a show all about modern dating where we dig into the whys of people's behavior. Why do people do the things they do when it comes to dating? But this week was particularly about why is the sky this color? If, if anybody oh lives in California God. or if you have friends who live in California, I'm sure you've seen them post pictures of the sky that are the same color as my shirt right now. Orange, orange. Yeah. Why are we dating on Mars? I posted to the <laughs> Facebook group and I was like, if you don't live here, we will let you know what it's like to date on Mars. You can live vicariously slash not vicariously through us. I'm going to emphasize the not vicariously because I don't think anyone wants to do that. It was just creepy. I woke so up. First creepy. thing I did was text Julie and was like, have you seen this guy? It's so creepy. And then I got a text from my friend and he was like, am I still alive? <laughs> I feel like it was really cool in the beginning, but then a 
around like 12 when it was pitch black. I'm like, this is fucking weird. I feel like this whole week has been bizarro. Really fucking. You're like 2020. What else you got? It's only September. (laughs) I feel like there's more coming. It didn't smell. No. You didn't feel like the air was bad. And in fact, the AQI was okay. Yeah. But for some reason, like the marine layer trapped the smoke from us breathing it in. And I I just kept thinking like, this is the literal definition of hell. We are just being (laughs) trapped by fire right now. And it's got like this color of hell. Like seriously, 2020 is straight up hell. But I mean, the entire West Coast is basically burning right now from Portland all the way down to San Diego, which is crazy. But can we talk about gender reveal parties? Because okay, (laughs) at least the northern part of California, I don't know if at least is the right word, but at least it's, it's from nature, right? Like there's not like someone did something idiotic. But in SoCal, it got started because someone like blew shit up at a gender reveal party. First of all, I'm going to go on a little rant that I hate gender reveal parties. I know you do. But Wait, also, why, why do you hate them so much? Because I know people who love them. But my okay. boyfriend also is in the same boat. He's like, they're so meaningless. I, I'm sorry if I'm offending anyone's gender reveal party that I've been to or not been to. I hate them so much. So there's a couple of reasons. One, I think it's a completely antiquated tradition. Just because mm-hmm. someone's sex is something doesn't mean it's going to be their gender either. Mm-hmm. So you're basically mm-hmm. forcing someone into blue and pink. Like that is so archaic. Like, I'm sorry. Like, what the fuck? And mm-hmm. then also, my other thing is like, no one wants to be there. Like the people, the participants, <laughs> like, I'm sorry, there's so many other ways I'd rather spend my Saturday. Like, I'm all for you. You got you're having a baby. Congrats. That's amazing. I don't need to be there for the gender reveal party. I feel the same way about gender reveal parties as I feel about bridal showers. Why? Why do you no. need a fucking bridal shower? You're getting in like a bachelorette party. You're getting a, a fucking yeah. wedding. Yeah. Why do you need a shower? And why is it called a shower? And also, uh, I mean, I'm not even going to go into the rant about the baby shower, but if you have a gender reveal party and a baby shower, like how many more things can you have? Like, Mm -hmm. I don't know. It pisses me off, especially as a single person where you get shit. Yeah. I can kind of see where you're coming from. Also, because like the gender reveal is sort of what you're given. (laughs) It's not like you, you are choosing. It's not like an accomplishment. I mean, I don't know. I don't want to offend people. I'm probably going on a rant with wedding industry as a whole. But I do want to get married. That's always been something I want to do. But I do not want to do like the whole traditional marriage. Because I just don't believe in people giving you gifts to start a life. Like you're, you already have a life. Like why right. do you need gifts for it? Well, I think people just want any excuse to have a party. So I will never turn down a party. But the reasons are just getting a little bit ridiculous these days. I think we should have, we should just bring on the more ridiculous parties. Forget gender reveal parties, just have like a, a gender change party, yeah. right? Like what about all these people who decided that they want to be a different sex? Right. They don't get anything. <laughs> but also if you, okay, if you are going to have a gender reveal party or whatever party, don't like light shit up and cause forest fires. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. The, the ultimate learning here is don't burn down California just because your baby happens to be a boy. Exactly. Woo-hoo. Exactly. Good for you. Or what, I don't even know. I don't even know what the gender reveal party revealed. I really don't. I don't give two fucks. But this week has been so weird because we felt like we were living on a different planet for sure. And the air has been so bad. It reminds me of my days in Beijing when the pollution would get so bad. Mm. I wear goggles outside because things were getting into my eyes. Well, 
but that's the reality we're living in. So I was saying this to a friend. I was like, ironically, I got away from Asia and ironically, Asia is like the best place to be right now. <laughs> or Asia's <laughs> coming to you with face mask goggles, yeah. like it's face shields. Me. It's <laughs> following me everywhere. It's so yeah. funny because like a few people reached out to me because we talked about my virtual date last week on the mm-hmm. podcast and people wanted an update. And I was like, oh, my God, that was only last Friday. It feels like it was like a year ago because of so just much all happened. the shit and weirdness that's happened. Do you want to give an update? I'll give an update. I'll give a quick update. So probably the reason why people are asking for the update is because I was very excited about it on the mm-hmm. podcast and I thought mm-hmm. it had a lot of potential. And I think part of it was that we had a lot of just similar creative passions like there was a lot that we vibed about I think what um well it was a little awkward I will say like the part that I'm struggling with still is is it the person or the medium you know like with virtual dating I think part of it like we both like grabbed a drink to kind of try to like recreate a bar scene but he was like laying down and it was just like a weird I'm not like I'm not like trying to nitpick someone but I bed yeah and it was just like a really odd like vibe that was happening the energy what What is the angle like (laughs) like Like a very unflattering angle for anyone that's not following us on youtube i made a very unflattering angle but it's basically like I think it was just the way the camera was positioned down. And like, he actually looked like a good looking guy, like in the photos and even through video. I just couldn't really tell because it was like the way it was angled. So, I mean, angling is a big part of video for sure. That is something I've learned. I think it was challenging. This is where I'm struggling. So maybe I'll get your feedback or advice and listeners, you can let me know what I should do too. It's like... I left being like, I'm not feeling it. Like our energies Mm -hmm. just aren't matching. He also told me that he listened to the podcast and it wasn't his cup of tea, which I did not appreciate. That's a deal breaker for me. (laughs) Like, I'm I'm not going to say it's everyone's cup of tea. That's fine. But why say it? Like, why Why bring it it up? Like, he's he's like, I appreciate what you're doing. It's not something I would ever listen to. Like, okay. (laughs) (laughs) So that was one thing. I appreciate you as a person, but I don't want to get to know you either. Fuck you. (laughs) He was like, I already don't like him. (laughs) Yeah, I'm already sorry. He's already negative. (laughs) I shouldn't have said that. That that, like totally threw the question. But yeah, if you end up marrying this guy, I'm not coming to your quote unquote wedding that you're not having. (laughs) Thanks. Right. Don't worry. We won't have a gender reveal party anyways. (laughs) (laughs) So I think it was like, I don't know. It was one of those things I didn't feel like the energy with someone like that. We like really just like vibed well. And I think I usually am pretty good on my intuition with it. But I was talking to a friend of mine that I went away with to Carmel Mm -hmm. over the weekend. I was telling her about it because I did it on Friday and then left on Saturday. And she's like, oh, but you have all this stuff in common. Maybe it's video. Maybe you should like meet in real life and give it a second shot so I left the date like because my phone was gonna die so it was on the edge so I was and I was also kind of done so I'm like hey my phone is gonna die like I think maybe it's time like you know like we can Mm -hmm. whatever and he's like this is kind of awkward and like are we just gonna end this way and I should have just been like this isn't a match but I couldn't bring myself to say it over video so I was like oh we can talk another time but I just kind of thought he would like I thought he wasn't feeling it either but then Mm -hmm. he did message me and has been messaging me so I'll get your thoughts I think I know where I'm feeling but I'll get your thoughts (laughs) yeah I feel like there's only so much video can hinder 
the situation. And I don't know, I kind of feel like it in percentages. If you walked away from the date feeling like 80% into him, yeah, then it'd be like, yes, let's take it off video. Maybe it was a video that could make up for the 20%. But I feel like you're coming off this date feeling like 40%. No, I'm like 80% the other way. <laughs> yeah, okay. Tw- so you're 20% interested. Yeah. Like there's no way video can can really hinder you from that 80%. All right. Yeah. Like in person cannot make up for that 80%. I, he already gave you like a weird uh, impression to begin with. And I think that comment on our podcast, I'm already offended. So he's like negative 20% <laughs> in my eyes. So I would just say, I think, I think it's done. That's yeah. I think at. it's one of those things that I'm very, I either like you or I don't. And this yeah. isn't just with dating it's with friends and everything but then you do hear of all these stories of how it can grow over time and people that really didn't like people at the very start so I do sometimes question if I'm cutting off people too early like you could look at it like you know what you want or you could look at it that you're not giving enough people a chance yes and I we talk about this a lot I think people do end up not giving each other enough time. Like, is he being persistent in wanting to meet up or No, I mean, that's again? the other thing is like, he hasn't actually asked to do another call or meet mm-hmm. up. So I'm also like, this feels weird to like, break it off without. Yeah. So it's just like kind of a linger. But I did have another virtual date this week that ended up just being over phone. Mm-hmm. And I actually think I prefer that as like the first meet, but the like the convo just like flew effortlessly. Mm-hmm. So I feel like maybe as a comparison to this, then it really is a sign that this just wasn't the right fit. I think sometimes you just jive and sometimes you don't. It, I don't think it has to do with the phone or the video. It's just, it's energy. Yeah. And that was so, the disconnect. Yeah. Okay. Well, we worked through my problem. <laughs> He's not listening any, anyway. So oh, yeah, it's not his cup of tea. <laughs> not offending so anyone here. Him. Yeah. I'm like, I wouldn't normally talk one. about all the dates, but I know for sure this one is not listening. <laughs> so a tip for anybody who goes on a date with Julie, can you just like, if you're not into the podcast, just don't say it. Right. Right. right? <laughs> Keep it to yourself. Just be like, cool podcast. Good yeah, for you. you don't, That's yeah. all. I get it. You know, not everyone is as introspective and high emotional IQ as all of our (laughs) listeners. I get it. But yeah, but I'm also not like you're not judging other people's jobs either. You're not like, oh, I looked on your LinkedIn. I saw your job history. I mean, not my cup of tea, but good for you. (laughs) Or it's like not even that. It's like, oh, I see that you're a data analyst, but I don't know about the way that you analyze that data. Yeah, but good for you. Good for right. you. For I know you're helping your someone. <laughs> That's a, just a weird way. But, you know, like give him the credit, benefit of the doubt is some people are just very awkward too. Maybe that's like, maybe that was his way of trying to relate to you. He said that he's a very honest person. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Honest versus offensive. I don't know. There's, yeah. there's a thin line there. But that's good to know. You know, like, I think everybody likes that that update. And I'm curious what happens with the phone date guy. Yeah. And I think it's also it's a good reminder that just because someone has a lot of similar interests to you doesn't mean that it's a fit. And actually, this guy asked me on the date, he's like, Oh, what are your interests, other interests, so we can judge each other. And I was like, I don't really think about it that way. Because he was like, really into golf and sports. And I'm like, that's not really my cup of tea. But if you want to go do that on a Sunday, and I go do something else, like, who cares? Like, as long as you're making time for me, I don't need, we don't need to have identical tastes of interest and interests. Like, that's what makes 
it interesting. I don't want to date myself. Exactly. You want common values and common beliefs, but I don't think you need common interests all the time. No. That gets real boring real fast. Yeah, I'm with you on that. But I am happy about our episode because we've, we were talking to Kat Harris on, on this episode. She's such a sweetheart. First of all, she has her own podcast, but she is one of the last standing <laughs> virgin women in yeah. New York City dating in New York City. and She's a virgin. I think what I loved about this episode, though, is even if you're not a virgin, like many of our listeners probably, it did make me re-examine what sex means. Mm -hmm. Because hearing it through someone's lens that is, you know, like really analyzing sex and like all the different meanings that it holds, where so many of us, myself included, just have sex and don't think about it. Mm -hmm. It was nice to take that step back and like hear how someone else views this through a different lens. And we always talk about relationships with other people, but your relationship with sex is mm -hmm. also something we need to focus on. It is a relationship in itself. And the way we talk about sex really reveals like who we are ultimately. So uh, this conversation with her was eye-opening on so many fronts and it brought up some of the earlier memories about sex from both of us, right? Yeah. Like just like, what were the earlier days like how we learned about pleasure? What does pleasure even mean? But I will tell you this, after we had this conversation, remember I brought up UTIs. I was like, one thing that oh, yeah, you know, the downside, you, like, of sex, <laughs> downside of sex is that you could get UTI. A lot of women get UTIs, urinary tract infections. If you ever had one girl, you know what I'm talking about. If you never had one, yeah. you are so damn lucky. So lucky. <laughs> but freaking A, I haven't had a UTI in five years. Right after we get off the call with Kat, I get a fucking UTI and then I get it again the week later. Julie, I'm not like, I wasn't even like fucking like rabbits. It just all of a sudden, my body was like, oh, wait, that's right. UTI? Yeah, it's like I heard you mentioned UTI on the podcast. Time yeah. to have one. You, ha you have manifested this for yourself. But back to Kat Harris. Yeah. I'm excited for this episode. We'll get to it very soon. But before that, I will reveal last week's Would You Rather. This is a hot topic question for everyone. So the question was, if you could time travel for one day, would you rather travel into the past to change one moment in a previous relationship? Or would you rather travel into the future to see who you end up with in 10 years? Such a good one. This is a great one. We really got to make this Would You Rather book. <laughs> I am going to make this Would You Rather book because it does reveal so much about you as well. Like in this moment in time, how you look at life. Mm -hmm. And there were, again, a ton of discussion in the Facebook group. Some people said, I've made peace with my past. I don't need to travel into the past. I'm more curious about who I end up with. And some others have said, you know, I really want to change this relationship. <laughs> in fact, one person said, can you change the moment you decide to get into a relationship with someone? Meaning saying no to this. Yeah. So that's one way of looking at it. And others have said, I really need to see like, if I'm on the right path to meeting the right person. And I want I just want to know I'm not ending up alone. So I, I'd rather go into the future in 10 years. So what's interesting is I found a few people on the Instagram poll that I knew personally, because mm. one of them said the past and she's married with children now. So I'm like, Oh, that makes sense. Like you don't need to see the future because mm -hmm. you already kind of know what you're future looks like. But then I did see some people on the future side that were also were in committed relationships yeah. and married. 
right. So I'm like, that's interesting. It doesn't necessarily need to tie to that. No, it actually doesn't need to tie to your current relationship status. It's just your current perspective and your, I don't know, your mindset, right? So what would you say, Julie? So I would definitely say future. Ah. Because I think, you know, the past is the past. It got me to where I was. There were certain things I would definitely change. Like I would not have stayed in that terrible friends with benefits situation as long as I did. Like I would definitely (laughs) go back and change that and maybe stay for like three months, not close to two years. So that would be the change Mm -hmm. I would make. Um, But yeah, I think overall, you kind of just need to go through things. And like, I could argue that if I wasn't in that friends with benefits situation, then maybe I would have met someone that would have been a long term partner during that time. Mm. But it also, I don't think I'd be on the career path I'm on. I don't think I would have met like my big love after that, if that was the case. Like, I just think so many things that have like, defined me would not have played out. So Mm -hmm. I think it's a dangerous slope to like be like, how can I redo what's happened? Future, I think, I don't know, I'll admit, like, I'm always anxious to know what's going to happen in the future. So I'd love to see, you know, that crystal ball that's just like, oh, you're happy, whatever happy Mm -hmm. means. And then I'm like, okay, however I get there, I get there. I know I'll be in this position and I know I'll have this in my life. What would you do? (laughs) That is, yeah, I had that initial first thought too. So I, I talked this over with my boyfriend too, because I asked him the the same question. I think ultimately I had to think about in what way would affect how I live my life today. Mm -hmm. If I went into the past, it wouldn't necessarily how I would live my life today. And I think I would choose that because the moment I want to change, and someone brought this up in Facebook group too, is maybe I don't want to go back to change something, but just to enjoy that moment Mm. a little bit longer and to be grateful for that moment. I think there are moments in the past that I wish I would have marinated in it a little bit longer. I don't need to change it. But I did think about like, if I were to go into the future in 10 years, I don't see myself with my current boyfriend. How would that inform Mm. how I act today? And I think it would drastically (laughs) change. It's like, because I think it would impact how I act today, regardless. If in the future, I see myself with him, I may feel a little lazy. Yeah, Just thinking, you know, I don't need to work for my relationship. I'm going to end up with him anyway. If I don't see him in my future, I may become... I may just check out. <laughs> like, yeah. well, I don't need you to work anymore. You probably would check out. But then right? you, can flip, you can flip it and say if you didn't see him, then you could be like, okay, now I'm going to pivot and find that person. Right. So then would I get out of this relationship? I probably would. Yeah. Even though it's going great, I probably would just cut it short and say, well, like we don't have a future. It'd be hard to stay knowing that you weren't going to be there. Absolutely. And who's to say the person you end up 10 years from now is your ultimate happiness? That's a good right? point. That's a good point. Because we've, we've talked about this over and over again. Sometimes your big loves and best relationships might not be for the long haul. Yeah. And maybe in 10 years from now, it's just a little break that you took before finding that big love or getting back together with someone. Right. So it just, there's just so much information that's missed that could potentially hinder how you live life today. So that's why I'm not going to the future. I'd rather go in the past. The past. Ah, Just marinate. Love it. Here are the results from (laughs) what everybody said through our social channels. And it looks like it's 30% of people chose that they would go into the past Mm. and 70% 
that they would travel into the future. I think that makes sense. Yeah, with similar views of how you how you felt, Julie. Too, they just want to feel rest assured that they end up with someone <laughs> and that they're happy. And that's all they need to know. We all have a fear of the unknown, right? Yes. So anything that can help with that, the past is the past. But I totally see your point. Is sometimes what you see in the future might not help you current day. So you got to be prepared say, for that. Like, and, and and could you change the future? You know, if you knew, if you knew what the future currently stands, could you change it based on your actions today? Or are you just fucked? Like, <laughs> no matter what you do, you're going to end up this way. Who knows? Well, I'd be That's curious to see Kat Harris in the future. What will happen with <laughs> everything, you know, like. Yeah, when she loses her virginity. That's the ultimate future for her. I, I, I like to be one of the first rounds of people that I that know about this. <laughs> I think also like one of the things that I'm excited about in this episode is we even talked about it with her. There is a certain like stigma of someone that is a virgin still in their 30s. Like you think of them a certain way, but Kat, like yeah. if you met her, you probably would never think that she like was a virgin still ever. Yeah. And she coined the phrase, she stays out to make out. I mean, the girl still gets some. <laughs> you know? it's, just, it's just she finds intimacy intimacy and sex this is what's so interesting about this conversation she breaks it down where she says intimacy is separate from sex you mm -hmm. could have you could have both or you could have them separately and she's holding on to both so she's a virgin in terms of sex and intimacy it's super fascinating um, and then we'll get to that conversation very soon but first we got to thank our sponsor BetterHelp, for making this episode happen you know we talk about the past we talk about the future but the only thing we can really focus on is the present. And during these unprecedented times, some of us may be experiencing some weird feelings. For me, it's been feelings of anxiousness, helplessness, all of that. So BetterHelp has been there to make sure that I get the help that I need. They offer online counseling with professional, credible, and compassionate therapists in a safe and private environment. Their counselors specialize in all sorts of topics like trauma, relationships, depression. And with over 3,000 U.S. licensed professionals across all 50 states, they make it easier than ever to find help. In fact, so many people have been using BetterHelp. They're recruiting additional <laughs> counselors in all 50 states. And now for Dateable listeners only, you get 10% off your first month with the code Dateable. Just get started today by going to betterhelp.com slash Dateable and join over 1 million people taking charge of their mental health. Again, that's betterhelp.com slash Dateable and use the code D-A-T-E-A-B-L-E for 10% off your first month. So before we get to Kat, just a couple announcements. We do this every week, but definitely join our Facebook group. This is where you can do the polls. You can have great discussions, weekly happy hour, you name it. Instagram, and then leave us a rating and review. That is our three asks for you. So you can be connected to Dateable all the time. Short and sweet. Woohoo. <laughs> and now it's time for Kat Harris. So before this interview, Julie pulled up some stats and she was like, I'm having a really hard time pulling current stats. So the It was hard. It was very hard. <laughs> so the most recent stat she could pull was from 2014, where it says that 2.4% of women and 3.3% of men between the ages of 30 and 34 are virgins, as are 1.5% of women and 1.6% of men between the ages of 35 to 39. We've also found so many articles where, you know, it's just kind of almost like clickbait, you know, 
with their totally. with their titles and headlines. One is called um, "If It Hasn't Happened by 30, There's Probably a Very Good Reason," or <laughs> "Virgin Still a Virgin at 35, What's Wrong?" You know, just headlines like that. But these are all the questions we're going to be asking our guest today, Cat Harris. Hi, Cat. Hi, guys. Oh my gosh. <laughs> I don't know if I'm ready for these questions. So here's a little background on Kat. She currently lives in Brooklyn. She's been there for seven years, originally from Texas. Where in Texas? Dallas. D-Town. Dallas. <laughs> yes. Clear Big eyes, hair. Hearts. Can't lose. <laughs> yeah. Clear eyes. Wait, I don't get where the clear eyes come from. Um. Well, have you seen Friday Night Lights? No. No. Oh, I guess that's what we, uh, we missed the joke. Oh, I- my gosh. Okay. Interview over. <laughs> um, I, I am so getting off this call and watching Friday Night Lights, <laughs> you know, as soon as possible. Yeah. But back to you, Kat, because you're yeah. more important than Friday Night Lights. Oh, She's you. 34 years old. She's yes. single and actively going on dates. She's also the host of the Refined Collective podcast, which we were on. It was um, such an honor to be on your podcast, too. Oh and an upcoming author, super <sighs> exciting. Oh She's gosh. dating as a woman of faith in a modern culture and abstaining from sex until marriage. You're a oh unicorn. You exist. Oh you are. We found one. <laughs> we found one. We finally found the pot at the end of the gold. I'm just looking for my other. I'm like, is there another pot over here? Or <laughs> the only one left? Like, I mean, unicorn is uni by name. So I guess it's just one. Okay. Maybe right? a, what is it? A polycorn? I don't know. A polycorn. <laughs> You're a polycorn. We've had our polycorn. So when we were on Kat's show, um, we had a sort of a. I would guess a teaser into this conversation Mm. where you talked about how you've gone on your own journey to decide to abstain from sex. So this is, you had to come full circle to get here. I want to talk about the juicy details first, because these are the first questions that come to mind. (laughs) One is, at what point in dating do you reveal that you're a virgin? Oh, girl, I am telling people on the first or second date. Okay. By the time this episode goes out, I will probably be 35 because my birthday is in a few days. So we uh, have similar birthdays over there. Um, (laughs) But for a long time, I felt embarrassed about Mm. not having sex. I was like proud of it, but also conflicted about it, which looking back 2020 hindsight was very revealing that it wasn't my decision for a long time. It was like, I have to do this because I'm a Christian and quote unquote, good Christian girls don't have sex until marriage. And so I would get in these situations with guys and be like, you know, doing everything but sex or, you know, getting naked on the first or second date and being like, well, I'm good. Like wipe my hands clean, go home. And, and then they're like, great. We know where this is headed. And I'd be like, psych. Nope. Um, so <laughs> wow, I, blue balls. I know I'm like, well, sorry, not sorry, but um, no, really. But basically what happened is I ended up coming to a place in my life where I, kind of a fork in the road moment where I basically it was not hard for me to have sex for a long time because I did not have a very active dating life. And then I moved to like, I was like the girl that was like, let's make out for seven hours. <laughs> <laughs> uh, until um, our lips are raw. Yes. <laughs> get some Carmex out. Um, but then uh, I moved to New York City 
I dated more in one year Ooh, than I had in an entire wow. decade. Fell in love, got my heart broken. I went from never having a guy sleep in my bed to having like multiple guys in my bed oh, wow. within a few months. And I basically was like, mm, first of all, if I'm getting naked with the guy on the first night and I'm trying to wait until marriage to have sex, like that's not a great game plan. And it's mm. also not very kind to the person I'm seeing. Mm. And it's kind of sending mixed messages. So I kind of decided maybe like six years ago that I just wanted to be super upfront mm -hmm. because I feel like what happened is I dated a guy and we got a few months into our relationship and we had this insane chemistry. And finally he's like, what's the deal? Why are we sleeping together? And I was like, well, I don't have sex. Sorry. And he was like, well, this is a deal breaker for me. And I was like, well, it's a deal breaker for me too. And we both walked away pretty heartbroken. And I kind of walking away from that realized, first of all, if I need to figure out if this is something I really believe in, because mm -hmm. if it's something I really believe in, then I should not be ashamed to talk about it. Mm. And just as it's a deal breaker for me, it's a deal breaker on the other side for someone else. And I don't want to lead them on. I talk about it so much in my everyday life now for work that I've, I mean, it's super easy for me to talk about. And on the first date, I'll be like, Hey, like, <laughs> I just want to let you know, um, I don't have sex until marriage. And that's not just like a cute thing I said like it's actually a thing. And so I just want to let you know and see where you're at with that. I totally respect if that's not where you're at. And if it's not, then this might not be a great fit. Mm. So I'm um, curious because I yeah. could see like, let me know what, what your story was. But when you were in Texas, like did you encounter more people that were kind of on the same boat as you in terms of religion? <laughs> and then how did that change when you were in Brooklyn? Because I think of Brooklyn yes. is like super open-minded kind of sex totally. positive like what's been your experience with that whole transition temptation everywhere yeah. oh my gosh absolutely <laughs> so when so i grew up in dallas texas which is kind of the bible belt or the belt buckle of the bible belt um i didn't grow up in a christian home but Christianity in the South is kind of like that smell that you smell when you first walk into your parents' house after not being there for a long time. And you're like, this is what home smells like. Mm. It's dust and detergent and spices in the cabinet. But then you're there for five minutes and you don't smell it anymore until mm. you leave and come back. That's kind of what Christianity in the South is like. So even if you don't grow up going to church, it's like the thing that everyone does on Sundays, mm -hmm. mm. the concepts and values and principles are really, everyone knows it. And so I became a Christian when I was 16 years old on my own and my family thought I was crazy. They probably still think I'm a little crazy. Got it. So your family isn't religious. This was your own... Choice. It was my own journey. Got and, it. you know, everyone in my family is on their own journey, too. So, I, you know, I kind of had that quintessential, like, experience where I was like, oh, my gosh, I believe in God. And my whole life kind of changed. Mm. Um, so definitely in Southern Christian culture and church culture, I worked at a church. I was a camp counselor at a Christian camp in college. And, I mean, I know people that did not kiss until their wedding day, wow. which I am like, Yep. Res I don't know, respect to you or how's that going? Um, so it was definitely very common and it's expected. So yeah. the thing with the South is a, 
of course, a ton of people were having sex, but they knew the quote unquote rules, so they wouldn't talk about it. And the thing about moving to a city like New York is it's not a quote unquote Christian city. No, it's almost like taboo that you're not having sex. (laughs) It it is. Absolutely. But it's also people didn't grow up in the church. So I was going to church and a lot of my friends that were going to church with me were living with their boyfriends and having a lot of casual sex. And so I was like, wait, uh, is this like, I don't understand. Is this not a thing? And the thing with New York is people, everyone is just, they are who they are. And I think one thing that has felt really freeing to me about being in New York, I felt so scared of being found out. And Mm. most of my friends don't believe what I believe about God, don't believe what I believe about sex. And they fully support and love my decision for me. Mm. In fact, it was my friend, one of my best friends doesn't share my faith and definitely loves a lot of sex. And when I was at that fork in the road moment of, I don't know what I believe about this. So I think I'm just going to start sleeping around. And she was like, no, you've believed this for almost 30 years for a reason. And just because you're horny right now (laughs) doesn't mean she's like, I want you to have sex so you can just get it off your back, but you need to figure out what you believe. Mm. And you say that your God cares about this. So you should figure out why. And I was like, well, who gave you the right? (laughs) (laughs) So do you like when your friends talk about sex and like you have that brunch talk, like, are you intrigued? Are you... Like, I can't relate. Like, what's your feeling? Of course. I mean, for me, I never want to make anyone else feel uncomfortable. So I never expect anyone, just because this is what I'm doing, doesn't mean that's what everyone should do. It's, I think that the God that I believe in is a God that honors personal agency and autonomy. And so I should not do something because it's what I quote unquote should do. Mm. I want to do something because it's coming from the inside out. And so I want to honor where anyone is at in their journey. And so when my friends have their sex stories, I'm like, tell me about the positions. Like I want to, I, I need to have my arsenal ready. Um, and, and yeah, we can talk about other things and they definitely don't feel uncomfortable. Although I will say I was at a party a couple years ago and it was getting, getting late in the night and a lot of wine was being drank or drunk. And one of my friends there didn't know that I didn't have sex and goes, man, if anyone is in their thirties, not having sex, they are a freaking loser. Oh. And I was like, <clears throat> oh man. I was like, well, I don't have sex. And the, it's like the party died. It was like, like <laughs> <laughs> and I definitely like killed that party. Oh. And, but we got to have conversations after that. I think for the most part, I've been very surprised that he, almost everyone that I've shared with that like really loves me and is walking with me, even if they don't believe it, they're like, almost everyone has said, I wish I would have la- waited longer. Mm-hmm. You know, like I've never heard someone that's like, I wish I had sex way earlier. If anything, they're like, man, like I'm good for you for being intentional about it, mm-hmm. even if they don't agree with it. I think what is so fantastic and unique about your story is I think when people read the show notes for this episode, they're going to think, oh, she grew up in a religious household, yeah. never questioned anything, just lived by whatever her family believed in. Mm-hmm. And she just kept up with those beliefs. But your story is you found faith on your own and you made the, this decision 
on your own. Mm -hmm. And you're very intentional about what your beliefs are. And I think what I find so admirable about you, which is what your friends have been saying to you is you have such a strong sense of direction and belief. I think for a lot of people in our generation, we lack that direction. Mm -hmm. We just go wherever the wind takes us. But you have such a strong sense of belief. So Mm -hmm. you've talked about how your friends have reacted. What about Mm -hmm. the guys you've dated? What are their first reactions when you tell them. Let's take a sec to thank our partner Shapermint. While this year hasn't been totally smooth, at least we can look smooth. Shapermint offers a collection of awesome shapewear that not only smooths you out, but also feels comfortable. And I know when I feel confident in my clothes, I also feel empowered. It's an awesome feeling. At Shapermint.com, I can easily find the perfect shapewear ranging from tanks, shorts, bodysuits, and more. Julie and I, in fact, just got some loungewear leggings. They're perfect for working from home and they're like my go-to at home Attire right now. And unlike leading brands, Shaperman's selection is half the price, making it feel like a huge sale every time. But in addition to the everyday discounts and promos Shaperman has on their website, we have a deal just for our listeners that will save you an extra 10% off your order. But you must go to Shaperman.com slash datable and use the code datable. That's Shaperman.com slash datable code D-A-T-E-A-B-L-E to get our exclusive listener at a discount of an extra 10% off your order. Again, shaperman.com slash datable, code datable. Now back to this episode. You've talked about how your friends have reacted. What about the guys you've dated? What are their first reactions when you tell them? Yeah, so I've gotten pretty much everything. Like I said, I've dated several guys, multiple guys where they have sex outside of dating me and then we date. And honestly, it is for in those situations, it's usually a deal breaker thing. Mm. And I have friends that have dated people and they've started dating a guy and they say, Hey, I'm waiting until marriage to have sex. And the guy's like, okay, I love you. I'll do that. I haven't ran across that. Wait, those friends in Texas or friends in New York? Ooh. (laughs) (laughs) I think both. So I've lived in LA, New York, and Texas, Mm. and I was super active in my church and and everything in LA as well. And the thing is, is most of the Christian guys I date, it's kind of like a, it's not an assumption because I know a lot of Christian guys and girls that don't wait until marriage to have sex. I just usually, because I bring it up so early, Mm -hmm. it usually isn't a thing. It's either like, And I don't make this like dramatic conversation. I think so many women, maybe men too, but women are like, we need to talk. I need to tell you this thing. And I'm like, hey, I'm not having sex. And like, we can totally have a conversation about that. If you're down to, if you're down to do that, if that's already a pre-existing belief, if you haven't done that before, but want to do that now. But I just... I think for me, I'm like, I don't want to waste anybody's time. So it's not really a huge issue. I think the bigger issue for me has been navigating or honestly asking myself at this point, what is sex? And if I'm not having sex, how far do I want to go? That was going to be my question for you. Because if we went on a date, Kat, and you told me that, my first question would be like, so what's off limits? (laughs) Yeah, yeah, yeah. So this is a new thing that in the last few years I've really been kind of unpacking is what is sex? And I started thinking, so for me, it used to be penis and vagina. Mm -hmm. That was sex. And so as long as the penis didn't go in the hole, then (laughs) I was a virgin, right? So we're always okay. 
Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So mm-hmm. I would do pretty much everything, but so nakedness, anal? touching uh, a lot of girls are like, I'm a, a virgin. Lot. I'm doing anal. Um, a lot. Yes. Lots. So I've never done anal. I've done oral. So pretty much everything, but penetrative sex, like vaginal and anal sex. Um, and then I started thinking, well, but what if you identify as LGBTQ? Mm-hmm. Are you not having sex? Right. What if you are have a partner that is impotent? Can you never have sex again? What What's the goal of sex? Is the goal of sex like this physical, like, let's put this object in this object? Or is mm. it intimacy? Is, mm. what, what role does orgasm play in that? So mm. I've kind of, I read, I don't know if you guys know who Peggy Orenstein is. I've heard the name before, but enlighten us. Yeah. So she's, oh, I love her. She is a writer for the New York Times and wrote a book called Girls in Sex years ago. And then another one called Boys in Sex that just Mm. came out this past year. Essentially, she's spent the better part of two decades interviewing young girls from high school through college and 20s age all throughout the US and then did that with boys as well about their sexual experiences. And so she was talking about how basically her whole thing is we've got to stop looking at sex. Like it's this vertical ladder to like a certain achievement or level to surpass Mm -hmm. and view it as a horizontal experience. Because really, if you're what, what happens a lot in hookup culture in college is girls are losing their virginity or everyone's having a shit ton of sex and but it's like it's there's no intimacy there's no relationship Mm -hmm. and so she's like who is the more sexually experienced person the Mm. person who is knows their partner and has sensuality and is kissing and touching or the person that has a wham bam thank you ma'am moment Mm. and so that really kind of expanded or challenged me to expand my view um So I would say up until a few years ago, it was everything but penetration was on the table for me. And now I view sex as more of like this holistic experience. So a lot of that for for me is I've taken off the table, which doesn't excite me necessarily. (laughs) Um, Well, I, but I really, I really think that for me, I had to, I think the first question I had to just really wrestle with is like, what is sex? And Mm -hmm. I do think it's more than just an object and another object. So that's definitely changed how I show up. Yeah. So do you think like the core of why you want to abstain or believe in abstinence is that you don't want to kind of partake in this like hookup culture where it's meaningless? Like, Mm. where is this coming from? Like in the sense of the belief, like, I guess my question for you is if you met someone or maybe you've had this experience where you felt tempted because you did have such a deep emotional bond, but maybe you didn't get Mm. to marriage would that make you consider more than just the everyday person? Or is it really just like this stance of marriage that's the factor? Yeah, I think that's such a great question. And I could definitely go on so many different side tangents. So maybe I'll just, I'll hit a few of them. Yes. So first of all, I think hookup culture, it's one of those things that we think is empowering, but I'm not quite convinced that it's actually empowering. And there's this really interesting book called A Return to Modesty by Wendy Shallot. She is like grew up in ni- 90s hookup culture. She's culturally Jewish, but not practicing. She wouldn't really consider herself a religious person. And she was studying 
to be a feminist major. And basically her big argument as a feminist was hookup culture is degrading women. Even though it's we've kind of positioned it as like, I feel like I am empowered, we're still most of the time not really getting what we want and saying like, you actually don't need to know my name. You don't need to honor me or value my mind or even my body. Just Mm -hmm. scratch and like, we're both using each other's bodies to scratch an itch. And there's something about that that feels really flattening to what it means to be a human being. Mm-hmm. And when Absolutely. I <laughs> when I go to another person, and I've done this outside of sex, like I've been like, I'm going out tonight and I'm getting me some. I want to stay out till I make out or meet a hot guy at the bar <laughs> and, you know, have a fun time back at our apartment or my apartment. And I had a moment when I was doing that once and it was at a bar in Brooklyn. I was making out this guy and I had this moment where I thought I could literally be kissing my hand right now. Right. Mm. Interchangeable. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. And I felt like a really crappy feeling to think that this human being that has a story, that has desires, that has dreams and hopes, um, that I basically, the only reason I'm having a connection with him is because I want something from him. And I have an itch that it's easier if he can just scratch it for me real quick. Hmm. So for me, that is kind of like the hard part for me about hookup culture is I think it starts out as this, like, I just want to have fun, but I've just, I just think it can really flatten our experience as humans. Now the whole, you know, if you're in a long-term relationship and all of that, here's the deal. If I have sex outside of marriage and that happens, that's not the end of the world. Okay. I think for me, it used to be like, oh my gosh, if I don't do this, I can't be a Christian. God won't love me. It'll be so shameful. Mm. But really for me, it's about, it's about so many things, but I just, I think that ultimately like the physical is a manifestation of the spiritual. And I think being physically naked with someone is so powerful. Even what happens neurologically with the dopamine and oxytocin that's released in physical intimacy and orgasm, even a doc or anthropologist like Helen Fisher, she has a TED talk and her whole thing is like, there's scientists actually are starting to say there's no such thing as casual sex because of neurologically what happens with the hormones mm-hmm. released. Um, so for me, it's about what is it that I really want? So earlier you said, you know, you feel like you sense that I have direction. So for me, I kind of pause and I try in every year of my life is what is it that I really want? What I really want is a long-term committed monogamous relationship with a man that loves God, that loves people, that has a vision for his life. And I want that. That's the life I want. And so what's going to set me up for success in that today? That, That doesn't mean for all people that like sex can't be on the table. But for me, I'm like, man, I want the full thing. I want the intimacy. I want the commitment. I want all of it. And I think that for me, sex is this physical manifestation of this like mind, body, soul, spirit commitment. And Mm -hmm. I also think there's something super powerful about saying no to something really good in the Mm -hmm. moment for like a greater vision and doing that with another person and saying, wow, we said no to something that's like freaking awesome. And we can't (laughs) keep our hands off each other. And we were, we said no, because we wanted to choose like our integrity, basically. Like I want to be my word to myself and I want to hold that value. And so I trust this person. 
And this person can really trust me down the road. We're married. We got kids. You know, I've gained weight. I'm not as sexy as I used to be. He's on a work trip with some hot assistant. I don't know. And it's like, oh, wait, but we've kind of developed this muscle of integrity and discipline together and shown each other like, hey, we know how to like choose a greater good than the momentary satisfaction of right now. So it's less about marriage per se, at least if I'm understanding correctly. It's more about just like having what marriage stands for, not necessarily the ceremony, but like finding that person that you're like utterly committed to. Is that what I'm gathering from you or? So I would say marriage is is an important key to that for me personally. So that might not be for someone else, but for me, that's where kind of like my faith comes in. And I feel like marriage is this spiritual, spiritual thing. And I think that it is such a reflection too, of like the God human relationship of um, commitment. And so I do want to get married and I do want to experience sex within marriage. I'm not one of those people. I think there's a lot of toxic preachers and pastors out there that are like, if you have sex outside of marriage, like you can't have good sex or God's not going to bless your sex life. And I'm like, that's just not true. I didn't know that was part of the sermon. (laughs) It's more that you associate marriage with those things. Like to you, that is when you get that commitment and that soul sake. I'm I'm following now. I just want to make sure I'm on the same page. (laughs) I'm sure you've had this scenario presented to you and I'll be the one millionth person to present it back to you again, (laughs) is I still remember that episode of Sex in the City where Carrie is really attracted to this guy and they have these hot and heavy makeout sessions and she can't wait to sleep with him. And when they finally do sleep together, it was like crickets, so boring. (laughs) They end up parting ways. Do you think that is a realistic scenario that maybe you get married to someone, you decide to have sex and the sex is not great? Or is that just something that the media has sold to us that you have to take them out for a test drive before you commit to them? That's a really, that's a really great, great question. So first of all, I don't think that by abstaining from sex promises you good sex. And just like if you've never run a marathon before (laughs) and you go out for your first day of training, uh, it's probably not going to be pretty. I think that's, that is totally possible. I have a lot of friends that have more so dealt with a lot of shame around their sexuality. Mm. Now that it's quote unquote on the table and they're allowed to have sex, there's still that shame of, Mm. I've been told this is wrong for so long that now I don't know how to turn it on. And I think the thing that I think though, is if I am in it for the long haul with someone, we can work things out. I love science. I think like learning about the science behind our bodies is so fascinating to me. So what happens when we orgasm is dopamine is released and dopamine is that reward center in our brain that basically it's trying to create patterns and neural pathways. So essentially when you orgasm with something, whether it's your hand or someone else or within sex, the more you have orgasm or climax with that thing, because our minds want to develop neural pathways and patterns to short circuit pleasure, it essentially starts to anticipate, oh, when I am intimate in this way, I get aroused and I have an orgasm. Mm -hmm. And so over time, it over like years and years and years, you become even aroused by the thought of this person or thing. Mm. So I think the 
I think that kind of really debunks, like if you have a bad sexual experience the first time, even the first 10 times, or I'm not going to say bad sexual experience, but let's say like you and your partner and me and my husband on our wedding night, it's like, first of all, I don't even know if it's going to go in. Let's just be real. <laughs> we know? told him, I'd be like, uh, probably going to really hurt. Um, um, but that means like over a span of time, if, if we keep working at it and communicating with each other. And I think within that committed relationship, relationship, but it's so it can be a really safe place to practice and play, then really, scientifically speaking, you have the opportunity to have the best sex of your life in a long term mm-hmm. committed relationship, as opposed to like, well, that guy wasn't good in bed last night, or we've been trying yeah. for a month, and it's not really great. I just think it takes communication and it takes learning each other's bodies. And yeah. Uh, yeah. So it's I, more I of think like a longer term mindset you have. Yeah, sure. I think so. And I would say what's not true about the sex in the city episode is, I mean, I've had, I have a friend that's a sexologist mm-hmm. who you guys should totally have on your podcast. She's yes, please. so incredible. She's not the first person that's told me. I have had friends go to like married couple friends of mine that have gone to sex conferences and they've said the same thing is if you want to know if you have sexual chemistry or compatibility with someone, make out with them mm. for 10 minutes, have a passionate make out. If you guys can have a passionate make out, chances are you're going to be able to have really good sex together. And so I, I'm not saying that the scary thing isn't possible. I think it does happen. But I also think there's another side to that story that we don't necessarily want to talk about. Well, I think it's like giving it time for sure. Like, cause I think the the irony of that is that Carrie and him had like the best makeouts ever and it just didn't translate. Right. Right. So there is like, I, we actually had a sex, um, sex coach on our podcast Mm. a while back. And I remember her saying that, it's not that two bodies like can't work. It's just, are you going to give it the amount of time and patience mm-hmm. to get it there? And if it's not sex, like, I think it goes back to your question of what is sex? Like, could it be right. oral? Could it be like another different way? Right. I think one question I have for you, what about yeah. masturbation? Is that like <sighs> on the table? Is that off the table? Like sex So toys? on the table, yeah. <laughs> so I think it's, it's great that you just asked me this because I just went live with a podcast episode yesterday is masturbation a sin? It's a two-part series that went live yesterday and the next one is going out next week. And it's already the most downloaded podcast episode I've ever had. For me, masturbation is, I could go way into like theology on it with you guys and unpack all that stuff. But when people say, what do you think about masturbation? And I'm like, I think it can be good. I think it can be harmful. And I think it can be in in between as well. And I think one reason, I think especially in religious circles, it's like masturbation is a sin. It's lust, fantasy. And I, for one, am not an advocate of porn for a thousand reasons, Mm -hmm. um, particularly because it so often degrades women and over 50% of people in the porn industry are being trafficked and aiding the human slavery trade. So there's just a lot of reasons for that. But I think a lot of people, there's this myth that masturbation Masturbation and porn right. are mutually exclusive, which is mm, no, definitely crap. not. <laughs> um, and I think why I think masturbation can be so helpful because a if I don't accept my own body and my own desire, how can I accept someone else's body and their right. desire? Right, and also. 
I think especially as women, we are not taught to value our pleasure. Mm-hmm. And I think it, I don't, I, I don't know if this is just because so much of the world I'm in, but Christian women, it's like, well, I'm just supposed to be quiet and mousy and right. do mm. what he wants. And I think it's, at, I think that's in culture at large, female sexual experiences. When it, when women are interviewed on, was it a positive sexual experience? It's typically their response is if he had a good time, whereas the guy's response is, yeah, I got, I got off. Yeah. And so I think knowing our body is so powerful to be able to communicate consent. Mm-hmm. And I can't communicate consent if I don't know what I do or do not want. Um, so yeah, I think masturbation can be a, a, a wonderful thing, a good thing. I think you can, just like how alcohol can be bad for some people and mm-hmm. it can be great for some people. I think you have to figure that out for yourself. But I think with sexuality so often, we have this like strike one, you're out mentality for wherever you are on the spectrum with your decisions. It's like mm-hmm. where, whatever you have or haven't done, there's shame. Mm-hmm. I feel like. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, and you're I'm damned like, if you do and you're damned if you don't. It's like if you have too many sexual partners, you're seen as someone shameful. And if you mm-hmm. don't, you're stigmatized as right. someone Sling's to wrong, button up. Right? Yeah. yeah, and it's <laughs> yes. really odd. It's like you can't win in this. Yeah. But you bring up so many great points about the hookup culture and how we view women view sex as the pleasure for the man. I used to have a secret sex blog. I've told Julie about it. I will never <laughs> still reveal. Here. I still try to find it every day. I will never reveal the oh. domain for it. But for when I lived in New York, I I mean, I tripled my number in like three months or something mm-hmm. like that. I was just like, I was giving away, right? Giving mm-hmm. away. And I started this blog because I thought it would be really empowering to talk about all the men I slayed. But Mm -hmm. when you look back to some of my, I was reading some of my old blog posts the other day, really embarrassing. But the way I contextualized everything was always that "Mm, I showed him, you know, like Mm -hmm. I gave him a good time. That's Mm. right. And I didn't call him. I didn't give him my phone number. When he asked to put my number in his phone, I gave him a fake number. Mm. Somehow that felt empowering. And in hindsight, it was so not empowering because it just further proved that I was just being objectified. Mm. And I remember like talking to, I've never faked an orgasm, but I've spoke to many women who have and they said that if I fake an orgasm it shows makes me more memorable for the guy so that Mm. he even if he doesn't call me he'll still remember me that Mm. is awful that is always in service of the man so I'm a huge advocate for masturbation we've had Laura DiCarlo on the show who's in who's a pioneer in the sex toy industry Mm. where I think it's like your analogy with the marathon this is your training session here start training your body first so when mm-hmm. you're up for that race you know what you're doing and you know what what are the right buttons to push for yourself when you just shared that oh he's gonna remember me I think that the thing is is we are like I'm so powerful yeah but we're, what we're really saying is do you want me do, yeah do you think no. I'm great exactly. like we are literally giving our power away and we're in low self-worth let's hold that thought for a second we'll get right back to it 
This episode is sponsored by Via. We all know there are things that can help set the mood in the bedroom, but did you know a little THC could also do that? Yes, Via has developed a unique blend of pleasure-enhancing cannabinoids, libido-strengthening herbs, and a low dose of THC all into one mind-blowing gummy called High Love. This gummy, wow, it will awaken your senses, increase blood flow, and intensify any sexual experience. I've been pleasantly surprised by the High Love gummies because it is just the right amount of THC. THC for me to have a good time without feeling sleepy. And hey, if THC is not your thing, Via also offers a wide array of other gummies without it. And everything legally ships in 50 states with discreet packaging directly to your door. So if you're over 21, you can get 15% off and a free pack of award-winning Dreams THC plus CBN sleep gummies with our exclusive code DATEABLE at ViaHemp.com. That's V-I-I-A-H-E-M-P.com. Let the gummies work their magic. Head to ViaHemp.com and use the code DATEABLE to receive 15% off and one free sample of their sleepy dream gummies. That's ViaHemp.com and use the code D-A-T-E-A-B-L-E at checkout. Take your passion and pleasure to a whole new level with high love from ViaHemp. We are so excited to share with you our new podcast exit interview. Dates don't usually end with a satisfaction survey, and yet we rate everything in our lives from Uber drivers to local coffee shops. So why don't we do the same thing when dating? We're here to conduct the ultimate romance review, featuring daters hungry for love who have agreed to call up old flames to gather honest feedback. Welcome to Exit Interview. He upgraded himself to business class while I was in economy. <laughs> Wait, wow. What? There's feedback that will make you cringe. She could be a little bit hard-headed, like not reading the writing on the wall. And feedback that will make you swoon. But she said that she had feelings for you. I had no idea. Really? And maybe you'll learn a thing or two yourself about how you can be a better dater, lover, or partner. Obviously, like, knew I was going to learn something. I didn't expect this. Welcome to Exit Interview. Listen to Exit Interview on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I do kind of blame Sex of the City for some of that. Like, I think oh, Sex of sure. the City yes. was very yes. empowering in many ways, and it changed sex a lot. Mm-hmm. Like, I actually usually do this, like, every so often as I'll restart that series from the beginning, mm-hmm. and I did it recently over quarantine because, you know, you got a lot of time. You got time. And, and I was watching it, and I'm like, wow, things have really changed. Like, I think this mm-hmm. is the first time I've rewatched it that it's hit me how much things have changed. Because I think what you just said, UA, is very much what's coming from the message there. And I think Mm -hmm. Sex and the City put sex on the map as something you could openly talk about. Like if you Mm -hmm. go back years before that. So it was instrumental for sure. Don't want to like discount it. But I think nowadays, I mean, I think there's some of that happening still, but I think there is more of this like women that, I mean, I think it's also men have changed a lot. Like I Mm -hmm. know I've been with a lot of men that are like, it makes me happier to make sure that like you come. And like, I think that is a shift of like this less alpha male type you know that's like Mm -hmm. more of this like equal partnership that's starting to arise in our generation that Mm -hmm. quite frankly in the sex in the city generation it was a lot of game playing and like some of the stuff that we're trying to get away from so yeah i have a very logistical question (laughs) (laughs) so you know like sex toys that have like the inserts that you basically like put in yourself like that's off limits i'm assuming right like it's like basically no, I've, okay I've, so. I've used those before and but also um 
I I think because I haven't had sex, like I can't put really big things inside of me. Um, so <laughs> I've I've gone back and forth on on that in the past. At first, I was like, oh my gosh, I don't want to lose my virginity to a, a sex toy, to the rabbit. And, <laughs> yeah, I know to a rabbit. Um, but also, I love that episode of Sex in the City. Do you know the one where the rabbit the one? Rabbit, yeah. Of course. Yes. And That's they have to do an intervention with Charlotte. Yes. And I actually, I quote this in my book. Um, when I'm talking about the masturbation chapter, I'm like saying, yes, it's good. But if masturbation is removing you from community, if you are like, mm. lose, because sex, I believe that sexuality is the innate human desire to get outside of ourselves and connect with other people. Mm. Whether that, I think sex is a part of that, but I just think it's a human desire for connection. And so if my sexual decisions are isolating me, from others, mm. then I think that's cause to just be curious about that. Um, I forget what, where I know that was a little tangent. It's but. <laughs> not a hard no though. You're saying to like put something in you. That's like not, it's not. Okay. And I know that's going to rub a lot of people the wrong way. I would say for me or the right way. <laughs> you know what though? I feel like that actually could like help ease you in too though. Cause yeah. it's like, oh, yeah. you know, it's again yeah. about getting to know your body. Yeah. So I want to go back yeah. to your dating life a little. Yes. <laughs> I think please. we started touching that we went a little on a tangent. So your dating life, I guess first, I guess two-parter, have you yeah. dated someone that also holds your beliefs? And then the second piece is, have there been times that you feel like a relationship that you were really excited about prematurely ended because your beliefs were not aligned? Mm. Yes and yes. <laughs> I have dated a lot of guys that share my beliefs. Okay. Hmm. I've dated guys that are in their 30s and virgins. I think it's less common for guys. So I would never expect the person that I'm with to have waited up until this point. So I'm have zero judgment on where you have been or what you have or haven't done. What I am interested in is like, what is the journey we are going to go on together? And I have dated guys that are virgins. I have dated guys who have had sex for different seasons of their lives and abstained or stopped for like faith reasons. Yes, I have 100% fallen in love with guys <laughs> and that has got been taken off the table and the relationship has ended. And yeah, that's been super hard. So when you say you've fallen in love with guys, like if there's one or two that you want to pinpoint, like what did yeah. that relationship look like? Were they like, cool, let's do this. And then decided like, this is actually, I can't do it. Like what was that time period and how long did they last? Yeah. So the didn't last long, no, none more than six months. Okay. Um, but it was just one of those things where, so I'll, I'll reference one in particular, um, while still kind of being big to protect however you say that word. <laughs> <laughs> um, so with one person, it was just, we met and totally headed off. It was just one of those, I felt like it. I was having my sex in the city moment mm -hmm. that this guy, I just, 
it was kind of this instant connection. We talked for hours and hours and hours and we went dancing and I ended up going home with him that night and we messed around and had a great time. And I thought, I'll never hear from this person again because I was like, I'm in New York. That's what people do, right? <laughs> and hear from him a few hours after I get home. I can't wait to see you again. When when can we get together? Can we get together tomorrow? And he proceeded to sweep me off my feet. And Wait, had you told him at this point or not yet? I hadn't. So that okay. was still um, when I was, I'm so clear now. I, that was one yeah. of my, that was kind of like my shitter got off the pot moment after we broke up. Mm. I was like, okay, I need to figure out what I believe about this. And I also need to communicate this much sooner mm-hmm. because I created a lot of drama for myself. I created drama for him and I am so freaking heartbroken and that maybe didn't necessarily need to happen. Right. Um, if I was more grounded in my decisions. So, you know, basically it was kind of like something always stopped us from going there. Either it was like logistically or he had to go home or I had to go home. So I kind of was able to like wiggle out of the conversation for a good while. And then in the heat of the moment, one time I just was like, listen, I'm a virgin. And he How was like, long in? You know, I love my timelines. How long oh, in yeah. was this? Oh, it was Jeez, a couple no. months. So maybe oh, two wow. months. Wow. That's actually yeah. pretty long to last yeah. without like, wow. like explicitly saying For it. For a guy yeah. dating in New York. Yeah. yeah. But also I traveled a bit. I was oh, like, okay, yeah. got it. I was gone for like a couple weeks and we were FaceTiming. Got it. And so there were, there were, his family was in town. So we were seeing each other and having these like hot and heavy moments but it wasn't really getting to that point. And then once it got to that point, it was like, okay, we, this probably isn't going to work out, but let's try. And it just was, I was a hot mess. I was not sure what my boundaries were. And so Mm. I, I was so wobbly at the time. So it's, I I don't, I don't want to say it's like not a fair example, but it, it was kind of the example where I was like, wow, like I need to figure out how I want to walk this out. Because up until that point, I had never dated a guy where we had even gotten close to that. Mm. Got, it. Oh. Got it. That would be, oh, wow. That would be a really difficult situation. Yeah. And I totally get from his perspective too. Like, I think it's one of those things if you didn't even see it coming and like it was something you just didn't think about, right? I think this day and age, I mean, we looked at the numbers at the start of this. It's, you're in the like anomaly, right? So it's like, he probably just didn't even think about it. And it was one of those things that came through. Yeah, yeah. It's definitely one of those things. It was a messy ending. And we tried to figure out how to make it work for a little bit that didn't work then we tried the whole we still we really care about each other let's be friends and that didn't work and then it we were you know i don't want to say we were like young and dumb but you know we both hurt each other and mm-hmm. so kind of kind of when it finally imploded at the end i mean i did the quintessential i like went to a bar with my friends got drunk like <laughs> took a bunch of shots like landed on my best friend's oh. doorstep at like 3 a.m and was like he's dating someone else and i mean nothing to him and i'm such a prude and i don't know what to do and um so that ending was so hard and so painful and then we were able to have 
some follow-up conversations when the dust settled. And I think what I realized in not really knowing why I was making my decision to wait until marriage, it, so it wasn't mine. And so because of that, I, I mm. created a lot of drama in my life. Mm-hmm. And I think we do that when we don't know why we believe something. And if a decision isn't ours and we can't own it, then when push comes to shove, because what I really wanted to do is I wanted to have sex with him, but I felt like I shouldn't. And so like I didn't, but I was so messy with it. And so after that, it was like, I got to figure out my why here. And I also realized Man. So I, him and I did all the things physically, but vaginal sex. And I remember having multiple moments with him where I felt like, I don't even know that it's necessarily about this like physical act of intimacy, but it's the intimacy Mm -hmm. that happens when you're naked with someone, the laying next to each other, in the dark talking, him putting my bra back on. And, you know, just these moments that I felt like, oh, these moments feel really sacred. And I, I'm taking this with me. And it also made me wonder, I mean, it took me a long time to get over this person. And I kind of looked back and looked back at all my relationships of, man, the people that I went furthest with physically were the hardest relationships for me to get over. Mm -hmm. And that might not be the case for other Mm -hmm. people, but I realized for me, my heart just gets super involved. And when the physical is in, when the physical is there, like my heart is like, I am I'm all in. We always say that because like people ask, like, should I sleep with him? What should I do? And I think a lot of it really does come down to you, right? And how you handle things. And I think different people are different. I think we can have the whole debate of, is there any time that you can be purely casual? Mm -hmm. But there are some people that are able to kind of separate things a bit more where others don't. And I think it's important to know yourself. And it sounds like you really got to know yourself. And Mm -hmm. I'm curious, like how getting to know yourself has now shifted your dating life. given me, I feel so free. And so before I felt like a victim to my faith. I felt a victim to other people's expectations of me. I felt victim to what I should and shouldn't do. And now because I have this decision from the inside out, I feel excited about it. I'm like, I love that I'm making this decision. I feel so good about it. And I feel like it's given me so much clarity in dating. And and I think really when you have vision in any area of your life, if you're like, I want to, you know, get a six pack. I have a vision for that. So future vision helps us walk out today with clarity and integrity and freedom. And so I think whereas before I I was basically kind of how we were saying in hookup culture, we're kind of giving our power over. Hmm. I was giving my power over to religious leaders and pastors and, you know, mentors and I had to take that back. And now that I have that, I'm like, oh, I'm, I know who I am. I know what I want. I'm so clear with what I want. I know that I am worthy of having it. And yeah, those statistics you shared are like hard statistics, but I'm like, (laughs) it's anything is possible. I can meet someone today at the store. I can meet that person online. People meet and fall in love every single day. So if anything, it's just given me, it's saved me a lot of heartache and it's just given me so much just clarity and groundedness and walking forward and dating. So 
I, I'm not saying that it's it's been easy. I ha, I'm not like, oh, now I know what I believe and everything's easy and every dating scenario is awesome. That's not like that. You know, ask me tomorrow. I might be like, this sucks. Like, I don't want to do this. Um, but it is good to just feel grounded in who I am and not embarrassed of that or ashamed. Um, but no, I believe this is what I believe. And I have, I hold space for what you believe in. And so let's see if we're a good fit. And I'm sure you've had lots of fantasies about the day that you do lose <laughs> your virginity. On our show, season eight, episode six, we had an episode called Losing My Virginity at 35, where we, oh interviewed, yes, we interviewed a woman who was brought up Mormon. And she okay. decided on her 35th, 35th birthday that forget it. I'm just going to lose my virginity. I'm going to have sex. Mm. So she ended up going on a <laughs> sex capade. And yep. um, her conclusion was she was really good at sex. So what are some of the scenarios that you played out in your head about when you do lose your virginity? Oh, gosh. Oh, that's such a good question. Hmm. I mean, I think the well, I think one of the biggest things for me is just trying to manage my expectations as excited as I am about that. Like I can read as much as I want about it. I can learn about different positions. And I'm, I'm always like asking people, what's your favorite position, which I want to know what y'all's favorite <laughs> positions are. Cause I'm like, I want to, I want to know, but ultimately it's something that I haven't done before. And so do I want it to be awesome? Yeah. Well, I, I also know that the majority of women don't climax from penetrative sex. And so I just think so many girls, when they're losing their virginity, they're like, it's going to be this earth shattering moment. I don't know that it will. Mm. I'm excited about it. I'm excited to try all the positions. I'm excited. I love lingerie. I mm. wear it now. I love, I, I love feeling like sexy. Um, I, I like, yes, I love all the lingerie, all the things, but I'm just, I'm excited just to explore and get to know myself, get to know my partner and hopefully not get a UTI. <laughs> <laughs> yes, girl. That's the worst. I mean, like, it's so <laughs> gotta get my cranberry pills. <laughs> yes. And drink lots of water and pee after sex. I mean, that that's yes. like all I would tell ever tell anybody yes. is like, Definitely pee after sex. But I, I also think about, wow, how different it would be to lose my virginity as an adult yeah. versus when mm. I was just barely, barely a teenager. I was 16 mm. when I lost my virginity. Mm. I had no idea which hole I was supposed to go in. And once it was in, I just kept thinking, this is sex. I guess I'm having sex. Wow. Am I having sex? Yeah. I didn't know how to enjoy it. I didn't know how to communicate mm. with my partner. I was 16. Like, what was I supposed to know? Like I often think about that. If I held out till my mid thirties, let's say, would I have a much different experience and I'd be mm. able to voice my my needs a little bit more? Probably, right? It probably yeah. would be more enjoyable for me. Yeah, mm. I feel like I'm someone that was like a little bit of a late bloomer in like my twenties. Or not twenties, I lied. <laughs> It's not true. <laughs> She's like, I was, I was 11. Little... <laughs> I was a late bloomer. Everybody was losing their virginity at six. Like, when did I lose my virginity? I don't even remember anymore. But I think it was the thing was like I was dating this guy, but I wasn't like head over heels in love with him. 
But I think it would be interesting to be at this age, like when I've had deeper relationships later on in life, because I think like the sex that I've had with partners that I was super in love with was just so different. So I think that like kind of kicks off like at least my takeaways is I just love how like intentional you are about sex. Like I think like I I haven't just thought about it as much as you have in certain ways of, you know, just like all those intimate moments versus like pure penetration. Like I kind of just think of like sex happening. It's like something you do. It's something that goes with relationships. But I love just how much you've been able to kind of dissect what it means to you what's the environment you want to be in, like what you want your future to look like. You've really just given it a lot of thought. And I think no matter what your beliefs are, even if you're someone that's already had sex, whatever it may be, I think it's important to think, remember like what you're actually doing and like have that cognitive awareness of what is actually Mm -hmm. happening. Don't just go through the motion. So I love that. I think that it's something I'll try to carry on into my dating life and future relationships. Mm. I um, just thinking about my first sexual experience and I was in high school, but it was with my high school sweetheart, my first love. I was madly in love with him. We ended up breaking up when we went to college, but years later, we ended up hooking up again (laughs) in LA in our late 20s, I believe, or early 30s. I can't remember. And it was phenomenal. It was so good. So good. And I still remember it was like, almost like sleeping with a different, I mean, it was sleeping with a different person, let's be honest. But my takeaway is, I think there are a couple questions we can all be asking ourselves, which is, Mm. what is our relationship to sex? Not relationship to the idea of having sex, but relationship to sex in general. And those are some of the things that like, I think a lot of times we forget because we, we always think about sex as relating just two people, but also your, how you see the act of sex is also a relationship in itself. And yeah. I don't know if this has ever happened to anybody else, but for me, I've never not placed a face with the penis, mm-hmm. but... I've oftentimes not placed a penis with a face. Like I forget what their penis felt like. But I but the times but every penis that's been in me I can place a face with. Mm-hmm. And so I think what my point is, it's still about the person. Right. <laughs> and mm-hmm. not a, just about their penis in me. Yeah. And yeah. that is the times that I remember that are really memorable. Uh the obviously if I remember they're memorable is the before and after. It's the, did we mm-hmm. hold hands? Yes. Did we kiss and afterwards did we cuddle and those are Mm -hmm. such important moments that you've already experienced cat that is the ultimate form of intimacy the act of sex itself to me is very animalistic yes it's connection but also it just sometimes you forget what you're thinking in the moment because you're just doing doing this this very you know it's a sexual act but beforehand i just remember like just grazing my hand or a light mm. touch and afterwards a, a kiss just to say good night you know those are the moments that are really memorable so i yeah. i hope we don't lose sight as we move forward i think hookup culture is sort of dying down as is which is great but as we come out of quarantine and people are becoming sexually active again we, ha- we can't lose sight that what are we having sex in service of? And you brought this up earlier too, Kat. It's everything you do is in service of this greater belief. How are our own choices right now in service of something 
of a bigger picture. Yes, I think that's such, if anyone can hear anything from my story, it's not that I'm trying to make everyone not have sex. (laughs) But the question that I have is, what is it that I really want? And are my actions in alignment with that? If they are, great. If they're not, how can I take ownership over that and and shift some of the decisions that I'm choosing to or not to make? Mm. And, you know, like you said, being intentional about it. I think so often we are a victim to life. Life is happening to us. And I think that we actually have so much ownership and autonomy and agency to say, well, this is not the relationship I want, or it is the relationship that I want, or I want it to change. And so really taking ownership over our lives and our decisions, as opposed to just sliding in and out of things out of convenience, or because I don't think I'm worthy, or because something feels better than nothing. Um, So really just pausing and like, is what is it that I really want? That reminds me so much of what Julie, the stories you've told about the time you told your friends you were ready for a relationship, but your actions didn't prove it. And you were still getting drunk at bars and still acting like you weren't serious about relationships. So that is such an important point for us to take away in every aspect of life. You could say one thing, but your actions also need to vote towards that thing that you believe in. Absolutely. I think the other takeaway I have is I think often, not like other people, daters in general, we don't want to put up more barriers, right? Like we don't want mm-hmm. like another reason why someone can pass us up. And it's this mentality of the scarcity mindset. And I think exactly. what I love about this story and love the shift that you mentioned of when I didn't know what I wanted, I actually just brought a lot of confusion into my life. But once I got clear, even though, yes, in theory, I might eliminate someone that doesn't have the same values, is that actually? a bad thing. In theory, eliminating someone that doesn't have the same values is a very good thing because that means you're making room for someone that does. So I think we need to keep remembering this, like whatever it might be in your dating life, like by being your real authentic self, that's helping bring forward someone that is the right fit for you. It's not necessarily Mm -hmm. limiting your options. It's potentially bringing those options to light a lot faster. Absolutely. And saying I am worth being honest with myself and others about the relationship that I really right. want and long for. Right. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And I don't, I'm not, not, it's not like looking for perfect, but it's saying, I think, especially as women, we hide what we really want. We say we don't want kids when we want kids. We say right. we're not looking for something mm-hmm. serious when we want something yes. serious because we're so afraid of not getting the thing we want. And I'm just like, if we're spending so much time creating these narratives and building all this evidence why we're not worthy, why aren't we spending just as much, if not more time saying like, I'm actually worthy of everything right, I want. Right, right. And I'm going to spend time thinking about possibility as opposed to thinking about how not possible it is for me and how it's possible for everyone else. And that just keeps me stuck. Absolutely. And it's also not fun to be around. (laughs) No, I remember like the times where I had like the most drama in my life was like those times where because everyone else had someone in their life that I would take this person that was not treating me well, but I had someone I had someone to Mm -hmm. talk about with my friends and I had someone to have stories about. But was that really having someone like actually having that person there probably prevented me from actually meeting someone that would have been a partner, an equal person, not just like a one-sided, mm-hmm. lopsided relationship. So I think it's really yeah. hard sometimes, especially like 
if you're like, I'm sure for you too, like if all your friends are having sex all the time, like it's got to be hard that you feel different. But I think having that confidence to be like, this is me and friends that accept that and people in your lives that love you for who you are. I think that's like really the most important thing. Yeah. I always say I really appreciate people who have very clear taste in Mm. whatever it may be, in the way they dress or the way they decorate their homes because it shows that they have very strong decision-making skills to steer their life. They don't just blend in. Right, or they're not wishy-washy. I can't stand, like for me, I'm a meat eater. I can't, yes, it's annoying to have a friend who's vegan, but I much (laughs) rather appreciate a friend who's always vegan versus someone who one day is and one day isn't and can't make up their mind. I can't respect them for it. So Mm -hmm. I I think just having clear direction is so key in today's crazy world. And, you know, bring it back full circles, hashtag clear eyes, full hearts, all the way, (laughs) y'all. It really is. That really is your hashtag. (laughs) Clear eyes, full hearts can't lose. (laughs) Thank you so much, Kat, for joining our show as well. It was so fun being on yours. And it's just double the conversation, double the fun. So Um, fun. If people want to hear your podcast, The Refined Collective, they can go, I'm guessing, on all the podcast platforms to find you. And if they want to read up more about you, especially when your book is coming out, how can they keep updated? Yeah. So Instagram is The Refined Woman. My website's therefinedwoman.com. And if you want to stay up to date with like emails and launches with my book and all of that, and if you're like, I want to hear more about what you believe about singleness, then you can go to bit.ly slash TRW dating tips bit.ly slash TRW dating tips. And that'll get you like a free dating guide and then kind of in the loop with, I have a private Facebook group where I do like weekly coaching stuff. And that's where if you are like, I want to know about the book, all that stuff. Um, it's it's all in there. Awesome. Do you have a name for your book yet? Yes. It's called Sexless in the City. Oh, Love it. Love it. Wow, this really is going full circle to Sex in the City in a very different way. Right? (laughs) In like the complete polar opposite way. Totally. They need to redo Sex in the City and make Carrie a virgin. Oh my God. That would be so interesting. But still keep the other characters. Well, you know what's ironic as I've been on this binge is they have this like 20s versus 30 something women, which is actually like our generation if you think about it. And a lot of them were becoming virgins. Do you remember that episode where she was just like shocked? No. That it's like when they go to the Hamptons. Anyways, I, I'm clearly a diehard Sex of the City fan and I've watched it, it like I a zillion it. times. But I yes, Kat, you are that girl. You are that girl that's like, I'm... You're the it girl. You're it. We're... You're it. Oh my gosh. Well, ah. Can you just keep us updated on everything that's happened with your life and also your vagina, like any activity going on? You know, <laughs> we just want to, we want to be in the loop of all of that. Yes, and I still want to know your favorite sex positions. And I mean, I have like a list of ladies that I'm like, okay, when it's that time, I'm asking her about what lube I need. I need this oh. person to tell me the sex stories. This happy, person to tell me the position. Happy to share anything 
you need to know. <laughs> we have condom awesome. rec- re- recommendations. Yes. We, all of it. Music recommendations. Yes. You got you got to get the right song. <laughs> the right playlist. Yes. Boys to men? I don't know. What? <laughs> yes. Down on bended knee? I don't yes. know. Haven't pretend, thought about yeah, it. Yeah. <laughs> pretend you're at prom. That's it. Recreate the whole, the whole scenario. Uh, thanks yes. again, Kat. You're awesome. We can't wait to hear more about everything that's going on in your life, especially with this book. That sounds really you. amazing and fascinating. Thank you so much. Thank we, you for having me, ladies. It was awesome. <laughs> oh, actually, no. I have one last question for you, Kat. Oh, okay. So as you know, our show is called The Dateable Podcast. What does dateable mean to you? What makes someone dateable? Ooh, the first thing that came to my head is emotionally available. Love it. Ooh, I like that. Yeah. Emotionally available. Great. Adding that. Hot and emotionally available. <laughs> <laughs> and single. <laughs> okay. The list goes single. on. <laughs> yes. Well, that is, if a person is emotionally, the ultimate emotionally unavailable man is the man in a relationship. Right. So, yes. you know. Sometimes. <laughs> sometimes. Sometimes. Yes. There are loopholes. Okay. Great. There well, are loopholes. We'll take that answer. That's awesome. So for everyone listening, we're still booking guests for season 11. If you'd like to be a guest on our show, you can either go on our website, datablepodcast.com and submit, or you can just email us at hello at datablepodcast.com. Uh, if you enjoyed this episode, which I hope you did, because Kat is amazing. And Kat says this on her podcast too, which is um, Oprah asked for reviews. So why can't we ask for reviews? <laughs> if you like us, review us, give a five-star re- uh, rating, please. It really helps us to bring on more awesome guests just like Kat. And um, tell a friend, you know, like this. I know everyone has a friend who could really benefit from this episode. This is the time. Call up your friend. Share it with them. Yeah, maybe your friend is someone that's just like a sexaholic or maybe they're also, you know, saving (laughs) themselves for marriage. I think anyone can get a lot from this episode. Or you think would be a good match for Kat. Oh, yeah. I mean, I wasn't going to say it, but I was thinking it. I was thinking it. I mean, we're not professional matchmakers, but we've made many matches from the show. So it could happen. I love being set up. It's like, it's my favorite thing. Done. Okay. We got a list. We're going to start a list. A waiting list. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. We're really going to wrap this up now. Stay Stay dateable. The Dateable Podcast is part of the Frolic Podcast Network. Find more podcasts you'll love at frolic.media slash podcasts. Want to continue the conversation? First, follow us on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter with the handle at Dateable Podcast. Tag us in any post with the hashtag stay dateable and trust us, we look at all of those posts. Then head over to our website, datablepodcast.com. There you'll find all the episodes as well as articles, videos, and our coaching service with vetted industry experts. You can also find our premium Y series where we dissect, analyze, and offer solutions to some of the most common dating conundrums. We're also downloadable for free on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Overcast, Stitcher Radio, and other podcast platforms. Your feedback is valuable to us, so don't forget to leave us a review. And most importantly, remember to stay dateable.